Hi there, Kyle here. Just wanted to jump in before the episode to let you know that we have a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash onstagingpodcast. Link is in the show notes. I've started a Patreon with the intent of hoping to offset some of the costs associated with making this podcast. If you enjoy what we do, a buck a show would go a long way towards making this podcast sustainable in the long term. And now, back to the show. Hello, and welcome to On Staging, a community theater-focused discussion podcast highlighting the development and staging of community theater productions in Calgary and the surrounding area. I'm Kyle Gould, and today I'm joined by Marion Hamilton, artistic director of the Painted Fish Theater Company, who is putting up Fiddler on the Roof, opening at La Cité des Rochers Theatre here in Calgary, opening February 1st through the 11th, along with Susan White, the stage manager. Marion and Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Welcome, Kyle. So, let's talk a little bit about Painted Fish. And I'll hit Susan first. How long have you been involved with Painted Fish Theatre? This is my third production part of my, yes. Oh, wow. Is it third in a row or just third over a couple of years? Third year. Third year, one each year. Yes. That's wonderful. How did you find them? What happened? Marion found me, just a a friend of mine, and she asked if I would like to join in. I've never been a part of theater at all, ever. And I had just recently retired and wished to try something new. And there you go. How did you know Marion? Where I worked, she was a regular customer of mine, and we just talked often and, and just developed a friendship. Oh, that's wonderful. So you've been friends for a long, long time? A while. (laughs) Five years? Seven years? Something like that. The pandemic makes it hard to know how many years it's been. That's really true. (laughs) So seven, five years or so, you, you you developed a friendship and you're quickly retiring from your work. What did you do for work? A retail for... 38 years. Retail for 38 years. I have two friends at the chapters down there in Shaughnessy that have been at that chapter since it opened in 1998 with me. So yeah. And a couple of them are going up on their 45th year of working for the chapters organization. So there you go. (laughs) So you retired and you're looking for something to do. And Marion's like, oh, do I have things for you to do? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Were you excited by it? Were you trepidatious? It was very interesting to get into something I'd never seen before. And she's just a very talented, intelligent woman. And just to to have the opportunity to work with her is just fantastic. Wow. (laughs) Things people say in each other's presence these days. I love it. (laughs) And on the record, too. Uh, yeah, she'll come back to this podcast down the road when you disagree on something and be like, no, no, Kyle has this recorded. This is what you said. <laughs> she allows me to disagree at times. So I appreciate that as well. Oh, that's great. She may not listen, but <laughs> all the time, but she does. <laughs> and did you come on board immediately as the stage manager in your first production? Or did you do a couple of assistant stage managers, backstage managers, front of house stuff? What did you do? Backstage manager, she she definitely coached me along, and there were other people to help along. So I guess assistant stage manager. Wow! And now you're the full time stage manager, big rig carrying the binder, in charge of where everyone is supposed to stand in a huge production. Oh, it's so scary to put those words in my mouth, but. <laughs> <laughs> and then starting tonight, mm-hmm. it's your show. Yes. Well, we'll come back to that. Marion, where did you get started with Painted Fish? 
Well, I've uh, been a musician all my life. I played the organ, actually. I studied classical organ performance. Oh, nice. And, and did that for a while. Here in um, Calgary or? Uh, no, in London. Uh, Ontario in or? England. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, incredible. Yeah, I apprenticed at Westminster Abbey. So I have been there and sang outside of Westminster Abbey. My nationally ranked choir, the Mount Royal Youth Choir, went on a tour. We got to go to Westminster Abbey. Our tour director asked if we could sing inside. We had a couple of psalms ready to go, like beautiful Christian music. And they were like, no. No, that's not allowed. So we sang outside. And by the time we were done, our second song of singing outside the doors of Westminster Abbey, no one was in the building. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was pretty familiar with the Mount Royal Youth Choir, so I can see why that would be true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've been a musician all my life, and I've had to do other jobs uh, along the way. But I had worked for a church for almost 30 years and woke up one day and thought, this isn't what I want to do anymore. But I still felt a, a calling to work in a Christian environment. And so I approached another person, his name was Ivan Baharali, and I had, whom I had met at the Anglican church retreat at uh, called Sorrento Center. Right. And uh, when we we worked together there a little bit and then discovered we were both from Calgary, so we stayed friends and we decided that it was time to take Christianity out of the church and be a, a at least two Christians <laughs> who behaved the way Christians should towards others mm -hmm. and and that means encouraging others, helping others, helping them to be the best person they can be. And so we decided to do that through theater. And we said, we're not going to perform in churches anymore because the people who are in churches, well, they have their own idea of what things are, but uh, we're we're not witnessing or, and, and we're not talking about witnessing in a huge, giant way, but we're not witnessing in the church. We need to do that out of the church. That's yeah. Matthew 28, you know, right. go forth and and spread the news. So anyway, uh, we decided to do Jesus Christ Superstar, because yes. why start small? And uh, <laughs> Indeed. we... <laughs> Because we, uh, we were like, what's the buzz? Tell us what's happening. Yeah. And, Let's do uh, this now. We rented the Easterbrook Theater. Wow. Uh, so that's how long ago it was, 15 years now. Yeah. And uh, we put on six shows over the weekend of Jesus Christ Superstar. And we had people of all faiths in our group. We had Jews and Muslims and Christians. As you should. And other people who were not a declared faith or maybe had no faith at all. Right. And so we put on this show and there was a moment uh, in the run of the rehearsals in the production when we had come into the theater. So this is something that Painted Fish endures, I, I would say, <laughs> is uh, we never get to be in our theater until the last moment because right. renting a theater is expensive. And we, re we actually rehearse in a church that uh, is a wonderful building. And Forest Lawn United Church has been a great sponsor of ours for many years. 
I was sitting at the end of a rehearsal just in the bleachers, because Easterbrook Theater had bleachers then, and just sitting in there. And the person who played Mary Magdalene came up to me, Judy Wall, I believe her name was, and said to me, I don't understand this character. Tell me about why Mary's so upset about this. And is she in love with him really? And, you know, all these things. And so I, I t- sat down and told her the story of Mary as a human being mm-hmm. and Jesus as a human being. So who would these two people be? You know, one had a great calling. The other one was... was not society's best person, but somehow the other character saw value in her and that changed her life. Yeah. I can remember Judy saying to me, I suddenly get it. I I get why she hung out with this guy. You know, she says, I'm not a Christian or anything. And so I, I haven't read any of these stories and, and all that. And then she left, you know, and I sat there for a moment and I thought, this is why I started this. This is why I came here. So I could tell somebody a Christian value and live it myself, but show it in yeah. action, you know? And the very next time she was on the stage and Mary Magdalene cries at the bottom of the, the cross, Judy was really crying, like really crying. And up, I was up in the, in the booth calling cues and I I started feeling totally emotional about the whole thing. And as a person who grew up in the church, spent time in probably one of the biggest churches ever <laughs> and uh yeah. and had been in the in in the business of Christianity, if you will, for so many years, I was completely moved by the story of Mary Magdalene. I mean, I don't know how many hundreds, thousands of times I'd heard it, but Judy brought Mary Magdalene to life. It's amazing. That's it was exceptional amazing. directing. Yeah. Uh, and and from a cultural perspective as well, you 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 brought Judy to the point where she understood the character and then she inhabited the character and allowed her emotional take in that moment to fill you with emotion too. Yes. I mean, how you can't ask for more as a director and you can't ask more as an artistic director. You kind of been talking about it a little bit too, but it in my opinion, culture is not the off-breeding of society. Society is only formed when you have culture. And that to take away from the church, which already has a functional congregated society already in their own insulated culture, and to go out into the larger world opens you up to a larger group of people to build a new society from a new cultural standpoint. Right. Although I didn't completely understand that back in 2009, right? as we went on, did more shows and then got overwhelmed by the process because there was just two of us doing everything. Yeah. Yeah. And some volunteers and some enthusiastic cast, but really just the two of us, uh, we got tired and we didn't do anything for a year and actually two years after that. And, uh, I realized that if we are going to continue, if this really is something that I should put, you know, allow my passion to run away with, then we have to be a society. I had a few like-minded people and uh, we became the Painted Fish Performing Arts Society. Oh, that's wonderful. And the idea was... uh, to, uh, there was a grand plan at the beginning, but you know how grand plans go. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the idea was to branch away from theater at some point and do you know choral music or you know orchestral music and maybe have an arts festival with visual artists. You know, like like 
art is just not whatever one thing. It you know exactly. It, it's a a huge conglomerate of of human emotion and spread into color, sound, light. You know, uh, all the the various ways we enact art. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we haven't got that far yet, but you know, life is young. <laughs> it's uh, it's only been 15 years <laughs> only been 15 years uh less time yeah. as a society uh, yeah. and it is your your touch on an important point too is that passion is definitely a, the fire of the soul and if you do not have it tamed if you do not have it well protected it can run rampant and burn you out and it can also poof into nothing uh it can burn out without uh tending and and well-kept fires so yeah. you've got a great group of people that you've surrounded yourself with it seems and painted fish has moved on from there you did uh, joseph and the technicolor dream coat and then you did jesus christ superstar again you did the cat award nominated multiple cat award nominated production of beauty and the beast correct and we had a huge hiccup in the middle because I was lucky and had a little extra money and I provided all the funding for Painted Fish. But uh, as we became a society, that was not supposed to be the case. Yeah, you can't have any outstanding debts. That's right. Yeah. And uh, we did a production of Oliver and through one mishap after another with expansion is what I'll probably put it down to, allowing more people to be involved at the top to make decisions. We lost $17,000. Oh my goodness. And that was my money. Yeah. So uh, we had no hope of going on at that point. Wow. And we didn't do anything the next year because I didn't know what to do about that. You know, you're right. Society can't have any debt. Right. So how are we going to get out of this pickle? Yeah. So, so faith is a great mover. And after being very discouraged about it for a while and not sure what I was going to do, did some really small shows that didn't have the big budgets in them. I thought, well, I'm really tired of this debt hanging over our heads. I'm really, even if it's to me mm -hmm. and not having the growth factor I was hoping for, I said, I need a sign I, I just need a sign that I'm doing the right thing and I should go on, even if it's really hard. And even if I feel pretty alone because there's like three board members and, you know, we're just, we're basically just holding on to an idea. Mm -hmm. And uh, next day, God's, God, you know, doesn't wait long when he wants it to go that way. <laughs> <laughs> I know people will think I'm a religious nut, but I'm not. I just have a really strong faith. Uh, I get a phone call from this lady and her, her name was uh, Renee. But Renee said to me, I heard that you have a, a theater company. And uh, I said, yep. Yeah. And she said, do you remember Robert Hooper? And I did. He was a very long-term organist and vo voice teacher in the city. He and uh, Robert and Eileen Hooper were both musicians. Uh, she was a pianist. He was an organist. They both taught voice. And uh, sounds like a Taylor Swift song. Huge yeah. in in the in the the community. But he had passed away, and so had she. And I hadn't heard the name for a little while. Yeah. And uh, so I, I said, yeah, I, I knew him and I really respected and liked him. And, you know, sorry when he passed away and uh, wondering where this is going. And she said, 
Well, I have just been made the executor of their estate, and because it was on hold for some time, it was just recently discovered that they left a fund, which they were putting money into year after year, and as it turned out, 28 years, they put money in this fund that on their demise, they would pass that money on to a deserving arts organization that worked with children. Oh, wow. And the fund that that started out with $5 a week is now 19,800 and some dollars. Wow. And uh, I said, oh, and she said, you are a society. And I said, yes, we are. And she said, well, I have to do my due diligence, but uh, I think after talking to some people in the community that you're the right organization to have these funds and make you go forward. And I, I still feel emotional when I think about How that you moment. Not? You know, and sitting, it's over a decade ago. Yeah, sitting sitting in my car. This was in. No, well, we we didn't get the money till 2018. By the wow. time there was a yeah, lot it of does hoops take a to, lot of yeah, time for that sort of thing to, to go through. But uh, in fact, I think it was almost three years before we got the money because um, the board president said to me, "I was beginning to think you were just making this up." <laughs> you know, like there's always these papers to sign, and then no, we never see any of the money, right? right? You know, and then one day at a board meeting, I dropped the check in the middle of the table, and people said, "What is?" this? And I said, you remember that fund you think that I just made up? Well, here it is, you know? Wow. And uh, we were able to continue. So, and, and it, it's pretty weird because you say, I needed a sign, but I got 19,600 and some signs that Painted Fish was the right thing to do. And All I needed to carry signs. on. Yeah. That's wonderful. So, and you got repaid yeah. back and there was a little bit extra there to kick you start into Well, yes, I didn't pay myself back. back. You I, didn't? No. You maintained that debt or did you wipe <laughs> the debt? How did you deal with the 17 grand the society owed you? They signed a promissory note saying that when the company was on its feet, yeah. that I would I would be treated as as it would be treated as a donation. But, but not quite. It was a bit more complicated. Oh, than it that, always but, is. But yeah, so they paid me back a few thousand dollars. And I said, you know, what's the point of paying me back? I'm just going to give you the money back, right? Right. So we have to, We, you know, I want this as painted fish's money. It's not my money. So, and we invested it. And shortly after that, we did Jesus Christ Superstar, and we yep, did for the Joseph. second time, yeah, and Joseph and Joseph. Yep. We did them over again because we wanted to keep our costs down. We had lots of props and and still a lot of sets, yeah. you know, and uh, so and costumes. So we just tried to reuse, recycle, reuse. Yep, <laughs> and then that moved on to Beauty and the Beast, and then COVID hit. Yes, so we'd spent all our money uh, and had no income. So like many other theaters, we almost lost it. So that's my question. I guess I can we can delve into that too before we get into the fiddler component. How did you lose all that money? You, well, you, we you spent didn't get it. To, we like, we did we Did you reimburse ticketing? Is that what you did? Did yes. you Yes. So you we, reimbursed we, everyone's tickets and then did you have to pay for the the space? The rights, the space, the rehearsal space. So you were were you able to the defer costumes. the rights at least? Yeah. We were able to defer the rights. And what happened that saved us through that time period is that, that I had written a grant to AFA, a project grant, and they allowed us to keep the project grant. 
So well, that's great. That was the I only mean, why thing. Why wouldn't they? Right? Like it's mo- it was you, just money that wasn't going to get used. Yeah. So, so your yeah, your theater we space. Where where did you want to put up Beauty and the Beast when you were doing it before COVID hit? Uh, Cité Rochers. And they kept their they kept your money and didn't reimburse you, or because I would have thought. And I mean, I understand costumes, set pieces. Yeah. You're going to reuse those. It's, right. It is a sunk cost. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't put up Beauty and the Beast, but you you did then put yeah, it up. We so. did. So so we came out of that as even as we had before. But if we hadn't had had COVID, we would have been ahead. Right. So right? much ahead. So Absolutely. Much ahead. No. And that would have been great. Yeah. So so now we're hoping that Fiddler will take us a little bit ahead because that's what every theater company wants, right? Is to be able to have the next show. Absolutely. You know, waiting to... to to put your deposits down. You Always know? seems to be the case, isn't it? It's like, so as soon as Fiddler goes up, you're like, well, we've already been thinking about so-and-so. <laughs> like you have well, to have, sure. as yeah. the artistic director, you have to have thoughts so much further ahead. Yes. So let's get to Fiddler. Okay. Because that's where we got to. I'm glad that you made it through the pandemic. Yeah. A lot of companies didn't. I know. So many of companies have folded and so many companies are floundering right now trying to get out of the pandemic with no money because they had rehearsal spaces and, and office spaces that they had to continue to pay yes. le- leases and rent on with no income coming that's in. That's right. We had so, storage issues. We every, had all those yes. those the sets and props for Beauty and the Beast, which are enormous. And we had to yeah. find where did storage. you put them? In a parking garage. So, wow. Yeah. Friend of a friend again. Yeah. We put all our stuff in between parked cars. <laughs> Somebody's so, parking garage. And we, we outgrew that and we lost that space in the middle of Sound of Music. And uh, and uh, now we have fantastic space uh, that uh, someone, we're renting a garage from someone. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Yeah. Someone in the cast or someone connected to the show or just someone you know? They were connected to the show. And now, now they're they're getting more connected to the oh, even <laughs> to painted fish. <laughs> that's great. That I mean, that's what you do. You build a society, and then the people come, right? That's right. So, when did Fiddler and the Roof begin? What was the idea there that led to uh, to today? That started eight years ago. Eight when, years ago, you yes. thought Fiddler on the Roof would be a great one to pencil in. That's right. Wow. And then we didn't get the rights. Yep. And so the next year, try again. And why didn't you get the rights? What What did they say? Uh, not licensable in Canada. What? Yeah, for community theater. So nobody got it. Yeah. Nobody's had it no. for eight years. Yeah, no, I've never even heard of it being done in Canada prior to this. So what happened? When Was it recent that they've lifted that restriction? Yeah. Uh, but I have to tell you that uh, Front Row Center did it. Yeah. 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 Well, they did it uh, in 2008. They did it. Wow. How yeah. did they get the rights if it wasn't eligible to be done in I Canada? don't know. Let's but... all question that, FRC people. And then, uh, and then I remember talking to George Smith, who was the director and the star, and he said it was incredibly hard to get the rights. And I said, well, I, I've always wanted to do it. I did portions of it you know, with uh, churches and, and summer camps and stuff, and I've always wanted to do the whole thing because I loved the story. I'd seen the movie like everybody else. Yes. Loved the story. Fast forward to last year, every six months, I got to know the, the person at, at uh, Musical Theatre International. Hello, Eric Grapperton, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> How's your babies? <laughs> Eric said, uh, well, it's not licensable in Canada. And I found out you can appeal. Didn't know that before. So I started appealing. And I wrote this long letter talking about how it was really important for the younger generation to understand what displaced peoples 
means and yep. and uh, and especially since now the Ukraine had been attacked and so it was particularly a good story to tell now so people would understand the people they're taking into our country absolutely you know so they said no so I okay Drat. fine I did the sound of music yeah my board members go not this again I said. <laughs> Truly, we are going to have to get Fiddler someday. They will give it to us someday, I yeah. know. So uh, I, was a, like, I was... I have faith. And I then everybody faith. shook out. They're oh, okay, I guess yeah, it will that, happen. That faith thing again. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that a few times. And then uh, I was looking to get a perusal copy of a different musical, which I hope maybe we'll do in the future. And uh, I thought, oh, it's six months. I better apply for Fiddler, you know. So I made up a, I used our theater. That was true. Made up some dates, told them how much money we'd make and, you know, all this stuff, right? Resent the letter from last year, put it in. Yeah, updated dates, updated numbers. Yep. Yep. There's, um, you know, there's an exercise in futility. And two days later, I get this email that says, you know, congratulations, you've been granted the rights to Fiddler on the Roof. That's wonderful. I know. I I phoned Eric in, yeah. in New York and I said, there's been a mistake, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, no, no mistake. We finally decided that you've asked long enough. We're going to give it to you. Oh my gosh. And uh, Patience and persistence He didn't day. say that restrictions were lifted. He just said, we're giving it to you, right? Wow. So... So I said, okay, that's great. You know, then I put the phone down and went, oh my God, I don't have a theater. Yeah, I don't have, have a budget. This, I don't hey, have any money. It starts with the show. <laughs> you know, right? like, it starts with the show. And I called the theater and it wasn't available for the dates I'd put in. Oh no. Yeah. So I had to call Eric back and say, Eric, I actually didn't expect to get this. So yeah. I have to change the dates. Are you going to be... I was like really tentative. What if they Absolutely. take it away, right? Because yeah, right. they have the right to do that. And so they allowed us to change the dates. And Wonderful. Here we go, marching forward. Wow. And when yeah. when did all this happen? When did the, that, because you gave me a little- August of last, last year. year. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so was it again, the same scenario where you printed out their approval and you walked into the board and they were like, okay, she's getting the no again. And you're like, here's the yes. Kyle, it's- uh, what year this year? 2024? 2024. No, you just send uh, the group text that goes, <laughs> you're not going to believe it. But, right. Yes. <laughs> and then get all the text bang. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. All the, the memes of, you know, ga- yeah. gaping faces that yeah. people will do That's nowadays. Right. Yeah. I wish you had had called them all and then dropped it on their, like the check you yes. did earlier. Yeah. But I'm glad that it's happening. So August, you find out you immediately get the board to approve the, the yes. production of Fiddler yep. on the Roof. That's it's right. going to happen. You've got, you reach out to the theater, you get the dates that you yep. need, you've got it all fixed up. Who's the first person you put on your production team? Susan. Of course. So were yeah. you, are you part of the board, Susan? Or yes, you, I am. So you're part yeah. of the board and you're part of that connected email yeah. and you knew this was coming. And is this your first full endeavor as the pro, as the head stage manager? I feel like I'm understudying just because I don't have the I don't have a theatrical background at all. So I'll I'll always feel that way. But I I just love doing it. And, uh, I've and been doing so. theater for ten years, and I keep whispering to the person next to me, which is stage left. So <laughs> don't worry about it. I only learned the difference between upstage and downstage this year, and that was just because they said 
in Shakespeare's time, the theaters were all open to the sky. And so water would run from upstage to downstage because they had to have a degree of, of level to the stage so that the water, if it rained, would run off the stage towards the audience, not backstage towards props and possible set pieces and whatnot. And that's why it's called upstage and downstage. And so people could see, the audience could see you too. <laughs> no reason for that. It was entirely because of rain right. and water. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. The only reason for it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear that version before. So, But it makes so much it sense. It does make sense. That's why it's called up and down. And now I know, but I did not know for a very long time. So you're now the head stage manager. Correct. Has, is that a, how, how daunting a task is it? So many people have helped out. Marion is fantastic, like getting all the sets. I don't know the show inside and out, but I've seen the show. I get the feel of it. I know what it is. So this is probably my favorite one to do. Really? It, oh, yes, definitely. Oh, that's wonderful. And you've been to every rehearsal? Oh, yes. Yeah. And what have rehearsals been like for this, the team? When, when, do you, when do you rehearse your show? Monday nights for two hours and Saturdays for six and then hours when we start and then we ramp it up as time goes by a to six hours seven hours why do you do yeah. seven hours it's a full day like your whole day. day is lost on saturdays it is just is the that... two days though so we have to squeeze a lot into a short time yeah right that's right we don't see it as a lost day you know i just looking at it from a perspective of rehearsals and whatnot that it's uh, there's nothing else happening that day but that yeah that's yep. that's intense. Most other companies are doing two nights a week and then four hours on a on a weekend, and you're doing six or seven hours on the weekend itself. Is the cast still full of energy? Yes. The last hour we, mark. We or? always take a one hour break for lunch. Yeah. And we eat together. Well, that's not a break then, but okay. Yeah, not a break for me, but they love yeah. it. You know, everybody brings their lunch. Yeah. We sit around the giant tables and we talk to each other and we find out about everything about each other. Like, you know, two cast members got married in this rehearsal period. Oh, wow. And we sat them down and sang sunrise, sunset to them <laughs> till they cried, you know. Until they, you're not stopping this until you cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one was done, uh, you know, by zoom and because they were away and one oh. one we sat them right in the middle of the of the cast and we all sang to them because we care about each other one of our cast members lost his grandfather and couldn't, can't do the show this weekend after oh, wow. all those rehearsals because he's out of town and you know we're all sad for him you, you know we know him he's 14 year old boy we all love him yeah, you know painted fish is a real family it's a, a community you eat together you're a community you know oh Okay. We uh, we even uh, went to the the church, which doesn't have many activities. Had a bazaar. Or, uh, I told the cast uh, they're charging five dollars for soup and sandwich. Who wants to go? Everybody, everybody wants to go. So we like flooded the <laughs> the church ladies. How many people are in this cast? Thirty eight. There's thirty eight people in this cast. Yeah. And you have how many people in your orchestra? Uh, nine. But is are all thirty eight on stage in every single show, or is some is there some swapping that's going on? I th thought I saw that there was some co casting. That yeah, was there's happening. some co casting. And so, so are they also just in the chorus then? Yes. Okay. Then if if you're not playing a lead role, you're in the chorus. So we on have thirty eight people actually on the stage, about six numbers, I guess. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And you know so, where they all are supposed to be? 
They do. I was asking Susan. <laughs> she's the one who has to know. <laughs> they know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so you've been in the stu- in the space starting since Sunday. I'm guessing you loaded in and yep. put your sets together, and you did your tech rehearsal and your all of the components yep. there. Your cue to cue, and then Tuesday was a tech dress. Wednesday was your preview night, or did you do just do a dress rehearsal? Just a dress rehearsal. And then yep. tonight is we opening open night. Yeah. And you're the director, Marion, right? Yes. And yep. you've turned the show over to Susan, or is tonight going to happen? Or you do have a little speech that you give before opening night? What do you do? I do give an opening night speech, and uh, we have an intergenerational little prayer for each other. And, and uh, I have my cast turn around and shake hands with each other and say, thanks for being here. I'm glad you came. Without you, we can't do this. No, at all. So they feel, everybody feels, yeah, everybody feels, you know, it doesn't matter whether you have two notes and two lines or the whole show under your belt, you know, everybody's important. And uh, not to take away from all the hard work that the, that the leads do, but, um, you know, the idea of Painted Fish is to build community. And uh, we build community with family actors, meaning that we have mums and daughters, sons and dads, and, you know, grandma and grandchild. Our youngest actor is five, the oldest one's 81. You know, so it's representative of what a small town community would be if they all got together and said, let's put on a show. And those relationships last. They absolutely they, do. They do. Uh, Every show is a family unto its own. Yeah. And sometimes some family members get together and do something else. Yeah. And make it their own little family for something else. But yeah. each show is its own unique familial organization. Yes. And each theater company as a result is a core. Is, you can see these little families built time, over time as you make and generate and build shows together. Yes. Do you feel yes. that, Susan? I do feel that. Yes. You're like the mom. You know that, right? You're like the mom of the the, the everything because you're like, okay, we have to start now. Lunch is done, everyone. <laughs> I just yell, time. We're ready to start. <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tevia's on. We're starting. <laughs> yeah. What type? What type of stage manager do you do you feel like you you are in there? Because I always like talking to stage managers. There's so many different types of stage managers you can get. There's the 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 brigadier general who is sharp on the the words and quick to chastise. Then there's the the patient mom type who is doting and nursing and everybody just wants to make sure that they they do it right. Which type of uh, stage manager are you? I do not believe either one of those. Maybe a little bit in between. Oh yeah, there's to- <laughs> so many types. Those, I didn't want to list like a, like a, an example of no, I forty know. different types of stage managers. I just don't but, know how uh, to categorize myself. How it, would you it, categorize her then, uh, Facilitator. Oh okay. Yeah. The role of the theater staff is to make sure that everybody involved, everybody who's giving their time to get together to do this puts their best foot forward, gets the best experience back from it, learns something, understands something new, teaches somebody else something else. And Susan is the facilitator of that. So she'll say, here's that, you know, you're asking me a costume question. Well, you know, I'll get you to ask Renee because she knows more than I do yes. about it. You know, she's the costumer. Renee uh, Ren- really Renee wanted to be here today, by Bo-Kent. the way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Renee had given me her business card and said, call me, call me, call me. I promptly lost it because it was oh. karaoke night. Okay. But uh, we're here and, and I can't wait to talk more about the costumes and whatnot too. Yeah. So Fiddler on the Roof is a monumental undertaking. Yes. 1965 
eight nominations for Tony Awards, wins three. 1971, nominated for a bundle of, an, of Academy Awards, and then John Williams wins his first ever Academy Award right? for his orchestration yeah. of it. So yeah. you're walking into big shoes to, to fill here Yep. with 38 people. So I don't doubt that it's going to be a giant smorgasbord of visual eye candy. What's been hard about putting this production together? Because we're starting earlier this year than we normally do, going into the the Christmas season, we started um, auditions way back in August, September, right. and then get everyone ready. It's just uh, November, December, such a very hectic time for everybody, illnesses. It was just, you know, once that time is over, then it's fine. But we have, we just had January and then we're starting. So that short distance time frame was really difficult this year, I believe, compared to other years. Because the September, October, November, December time frame, you don't feel you did too much or? Well, we had did another show in that time period. Right. We, we did a medieval feast. Your feast. Yeah. Yes. Which is kind of a fundraiser for us. the third feast? Yes. Or? Yes. Yep. More than half the cast was involved in that. Oh, my goodness. So they focused on that. So we, we had one rehearsal a week for Fiddler, one for the feast. And, and when did the re Fiddler rehearsals begin? In November? or September 18th. We had a wow. four-hour rehearsal. That is a long run-up for, yep. for and we did production. It, and it was because people were eager to do it, even though we had the other show to do. Yeah. Uh, we thought, well, can't, can't hurt, right? To get the scripts in their hands and get people going. And uh, I have to say that probably the enthusiasm was driven by Erin Lynn Peltz, who's our assistant director and uh, on the board VP of communications. And she was so excited. She couldn't wait. <laughs> and she took us with her, <laughs> you know. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah. How many people auditioned if you have 38 people in the show? 52. 52 auditions. That is nuts. Did you have to do callbacks as well? Or was it, and how many days of auditions is this? Or is, was it just like a big seven hour day of auditions? Nope. We had five nights of auditions. Five nights. Of auditions. We met a lot of people. We met some people who had a very strong ideas of what part they should have. And if they didn't get it, they didn't come. So, and, and we don't really pander to that much you know um, if you come on the show we don't tell you what role you're getting you come Wait, on so the show you audition and, and then they tell you you're in the show yep and you have to accept whether you're in the show or not well then you get an offer you know and so we'll say yep we'd take you in the show Okay. So keep the space, right? It's going to take us a few weeks to get this sorted out because of the massive amount of characters we have and wow. the amount of people we have. So I want you to know that we would want you to be in our production. Okay. Uh, so hang on, right? Yeah. Uh, and then some people expressed their desires and we said, okay, we'll look at it, right? Yeah. And uh, so from 52, we got down to 38 from people saying, I can't do it. It isn't right for me. Okay. Or I've had a conflict or this is too much for me. And um, a lot of our double casting went away. You know, right. I mean, Painted Fish is a is kind of a teaching facility. We're the ones who'll take you and no one else will. So then we called, we sat down and uh, over dinner, 
we had who's we the the cast, board the board the, oh, well the, whole, the casting the casting the production team yeah production team which kind of was the board at that time as well so we all have wear different same hats you know different day and we sat down and we took what five hours to to get through that to say well this person here and this person here and what if we make this person this and this person doesn't have that much experience but they have a great voice and you know all the different parameters so just to roll back you uh, you tell everyone after the after the auditions you know we, you reach out to the people you'd like to have in the show and say we'd like to have you in the show yes or no you don't tell them what role they're going to have. We do that right at the audition. Oh, at the audition. Yeah. Wow. I don't believe in keeping people hanging. If I know, and I'm a pretty good judge of of that, if I know I have a person that is going to be good for some role, I'll just tell them right now because I'll just say, welcome to Painted Fish. We're going to get back to you about the role. I think you'll be happy with it, you know, but if you're not, it's no harm done. But I'm just telling you now that we I'd like to work with you. Oh, wow. Okay. And I get criticized for that. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I don't care. There's never been a single time that I said to myself, I wish I hadn't cast that person in that role. Right. Well, especially once you've given the role out. Yes. Yeah. uh, Because that person has either risen to the occasion if there was a problem that I didn't foresee, or or they dropped out because they felt they weren't right or whatever, you know, it was a mutual thing. But yeah. I never never put anybody on the stage that I wasn't happy with their How hard is it, though, to hear and watch that audition and then tell them no to their face immediately? I don't. Oh, so you, but I you kind of t- do, right? Well, when you come to an audition, if you don't know, because the, the general consensus is you listen, then you call them back later, right? Right. Yeah. If you don't know that, then you just think it's the same thing, right? Right. But then I I may have to call them back and say no. And I'll just say, it isn't right this time. You know, it doesn't mean it isn't right forever. Yeah, you're not not right this this time. Yeah. 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 Let's talk again, you know, so. um, And were you at auditions as well, Susan? A few of them. I missed a few of them too. How was that experience for you? As a audience member, I, if something doesn't sound right, you know, I have ears too. <laughs> so I could say, oh, but a little bit. But no, I, I just leave it to the people who know things. But it's, I, I always appreciate watching the process. Yeah. Is it, it, it's it's just a hard of, process, isn't it? It is. It is. It's she lots. is a good judge of character too. And yet at the same time, it is hard to sit in judgment. Yeah. Because it's not a that's, natural, that's like we true. can easily judge people, you know, on the street or when we're watching TV or a movie or we're sitting in an audience in a darkened theater. When they are in a small room singing with all of their talent and heart that they potentially have, and you know that it's not going to be a yes, uh, that, that is a hard thing to do. And to be to be in that moment, uh, having done it myself, it's not yeah. one I enjoy. No. Um well, I you never enjoy disappointing anyone. someone, but you could try to do it the best you can, and it's yeah, all exactly. you can do, right? And you had to disappoint a bunch of people when you had fifty-two people come out. Yeah. Uh, but was it easy putting together your production team for Fiddler on the Roof? Well, I knew that I wanted to have Rajon Campbell for, as the music director because we had worked together before, and I felt that he was the best 
candidate there, and he, and he was the first person after Susan that I called. Oh wow, yeah, that's great. So that I uh, trust him know with the music. Thirty eight is... people to get their voices all singing in sync and unison. Well, I asked him before the yeah. the auditions, so you know, I I oh, I wanted him to be there for the auditions. That's so, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. All right. So and... you called Susan. She's a yes. Was it an emphatic right away? Yes. Like I'm here for you, Marion. Yes. It yes. Was. It's yeah. one of my favorite shows. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, is it? What oh, do you love about it? Probably saw it in the theater, you know, when I was a little kid. So it, right. it's one of those things that just, you just, it's part of your life growing up. So it's just always been in the background. And I, we probably got the the album. So we probably played it over and over again a million times. Right. Don't always remember the words now, but the tunes, right? <laughs> it, as it is. <laughs> so it's just Had a, you ever seen it live? Never live. No. No. And now so, you get to see it every exactly. night. Every night. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, you don't it. really get to see it. You get to look at a book while you're hearing it and push buttons. <laughs> I just said, somebody record it so I get to see it. <laughs> right? Oh, it's so true. How many shows are you going to see of it, Marion? I saw it last night, and but yeah. now I, I switched it back into my role as assistant, assistant stage manager. Oh, okay. So you're backstage. I'm backstage for oh the whole thing. Oh my goodness, for yep. the whole thing. Yep. I won't see it again. Wow. So, yeah. I, uh, I really, and it's not the same thing when it's in front of an audience. It just uh, isn't, right? Right. It isn't. You know, I'm glad I, I saw it last night. Oh, was there much know. of an audience last night? No, no, it isn't. Oh, yeah, but, you know, you, you're backstage. You, you have a feel for it. It's a small theater. You get a really good yeah. feel for the audience, you know? Yeah. So Susan said that it was the time and the, the all, like basically the lost rehearsals leading up to November and December and the in illnesses and the difficulty of putting people in the same space together. And then in January, getting it all rolling, that was really hard for this production. What was hard about this production for you? Double casting. We only have so much rehearsal time and you've got to put, if you have two Tevyas, you got to put them both up so they can yeah. each rehearse. And so it feels like the leads get half the time to actually rehearse. But uh, I allow them to work that out among themselves. Okay. If you feel that you need this scene, but you don't need that scene, well, then, you know, just trade out, right? And we have what we call the sunrise and the sunset cast. Okay. And uh, so all these leads play together and all these leads play together. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So they're, they're so, split yeah. individually. Do you do that deliberately? Do you double cast most of your shows? Not so much before COVID. <laughs> right. You know, uh, and definitely where we double cast this show because last year we lost an entire show to norovirus. Yeah. The entire cast caught it. Well, the, and the we had to cancel. predominant amount of the cast caught it. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Myself and Susan were the only ones who didn't get it. Wow. So we sat, we sat outside on the Sunday. We had to cancel a Sunday show in the middle of the run. You didn't do a, a two-hander? Uh, no, we sat outside in, in lawn chairs cause it was nice out oh, uh, with, wow. with a, a couple of, uh, drinks and people when, who came by that we couldn't reach for some reason. Uh, as we do. said, sorry, you know, we sat there for an hour as board members yep. and said, we're really sorry. And, you know, we can give you your money back. Not a lot of people asked for their money back. We were very lucky. A lot of you people know? said, can you book me into a different show? They yeah. booked into a different yeah. show and we had room. So when this time do, that, uh, that would be very hard because we have no room. Exactly. It's a pretty packed run of shows. Yeah. 10 shows. 10 shows from over two weekends. Thursday through through Sunday. It's yeah, yeah, it's a very tight 
quick, quick run. Yeah. And you, and as you mentioned, you've already lost a couple people who have had to go to funerals. I know personally that uh, my good friend of the show, Mads, is not going to be able to make uh, oh. a show as well, right? Yes, so that's she's right. not there tonight. We're so sorry um, not, yeah. to, not to have her sing. And her voice she's is beautiful. gone for tonight. And I'm yep. mad because... Uh, she's a good friend of mine and uh, she's like, well, you could go to a different night. And I'm like, I don't think I can, man. <laughs> so my family's coming tonight. I'm really excited about it. That's what great. has the two of you excited about this production? The cast. Oh, really? Just seeing them perform. Uh, last night is the first time we ran through without stopping. And uh, to see the cast blossom into their characters is very rewarding. Oh, yeah. Yes. Anyone in particular? Um, Haley Powis. She was really wonderful. She's super quiet person, and she just made Hava come alive. Oh, that's wonderful! Yeah, and uh, Artevias are both amazing. Um, That's a lot of it. Is the the other characters too? You know, the people of the village and their very very developed characters of who they are that really came together last night. You know, how about for you? Just watching them blossom, like it's amazing that the difference between being in the rehearsal phase and then going to this it was just, just go, just something about going into the theater. They just open up. It's just wonderful to watch. It's because you get to see it's happening. It's, it's, it's all exactly. It's finally reality it's, is coming here true. now. We're finally there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's about telling a story, and we're going to tell it. Yeah, yeah. It's an important story to tell. Yeah, so let's talk about the story itself and and maybe why you you both have spoken about how Fiddler has touched you and it's important to you, but why Fiddler, why now? <laughs> Other than because yeah. we got it. Yeah, because we got it. <laughs> um, I think that it's a story that talks about displaced persons. And all over the world, there are so many displaced persons. It's not even in the places that are every night on the news and that are overtly in war, but, you know, places like Afghanistan, then, you know, some of those places there, there are cultures of people who are being displaced. And I think one of the hardest things for me to teach my cast was how it feels to be displaced. Yeah. And um, there's a lack of understanding of that, particularly in Canada, except perhaps among the Aboriginal people. But, uh, you know, um, that idea that one day you have a home and you're going to work and you're taking the bus and you're buying groceries and then the next day you don't have anywhere to go to the bathroom and you don't have a roof over your head and you haven't eaten for two weeks, you know, how suddenly that can happen to people is a story that's happening everywhere in the world today. And not that I want to foist that on people, but some understanding of that can't hurt, you know, understanding is the key to resolution. And so maybe just these few thousand people that come to see us and the actors who've lived the story in a small way will make a difference somewhere else in the world that will really make a difference. You know, it's a seed that's planted. So for me, this is a very important story. How about for you? Again, the same not quite as a <laughs> wonderful said as that, but yes, it is about the Jewish people in this particular story, but I've always seen it as losing their homes and stuff. It's just, a, 
it can, as she says, it can happen anywhere and to many different people. And so to me, it was never about them particularly, but people being hurt all over the world. It happens all the time. <laughs> it <laughs> Too does. Much. It does. And it, it happens in Calgary with the great flood. I mean, people lost their homes. Right. It was an individual thing that occurred. Um, but it, what's interesting about Fiddler and what's so prevalent elsewhere is that this happens on a societal level where it's not just your home, it's everyone's homes. That's right. And that's, uh, that's a hardship to get through. But uh, you mentioned, I mean, Fiddler on the Roof is a Jewish cast with a, a Jewish story. And how did you make sure that you in, inherited and in, and attained and maintained those Jewish connections in both casting and in directing and putting the show on? Well, I was very fortunate that one of our board members is Jewish, oh, Sarah good. Brodsky. Yep. And Sarah is a very dear friend of mine, and I've, I'm exposed to Jewish culture all the time. And uh, I get invited to lots of Sabbath dinners. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so I, I have a, a great deal of uh, uh, more knowledge than I ever had before I met Sarah about that. And she told someone, and they told someone, and they told someone, and suddenly half the cast is Jewish. <laughs> that is perfect. So that's how it worked. And did we you did keep not Sarah cast... around during auditions and rehearsals and components. Was she connected? Was she like a cultural advisor for the show, too, in a way? or Not so much Sarah, but some of the other members of the cast, Gary well, Silberg. Gary Silberg is going to tell you everything. Yeah. He's going to advise you and and yeah. pontificate and give yeah. a lecture. And you're like, where did you get the podium, Gary? Yeah. <laughs> Why and... do you have prepared notes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate that because at a drop of a hat, I could say, would that happen? Right. Or did that happen? Like, you know, or, yeah. or you know, how high do we hold the canopy? I don't know. I've, I've never been married under a canopy. Right. Yeah. So I don't know that, but Gary does. And he does. So, and he was one of uh, multiple resources like that. Laura Schuler, yeah. uh, Dorothy Hansen, um, Tracy Smith, Tracy Smith, uh, uh, Daniel Braitman. This is their life. Yeah. And it's this their, their, history. their faith and yeah. their history all together rolled into one. And so uh, who knows more about it than them? I mean, they were the perfect resource beyond my own ability to research and and sarah's and, tutelage yeah. and guiding That's... and guiding and her husband peter brodsky as well you know lots of times i would peter's very matter of fact so i would get it all very you know like succinctly just a short answer you know so rather than some of the other answers i got which Absolutely. were appreciated but were longer <laughs> i'll say <laughs> there's 38 people in this cast. It's a big cast, a big set, a big production. It's huge. There's going to be things that are going to get overlooked by someone seeing it one time only that I always like to ask people when they're, you know, if they could advise the listener before they go see the show, what's something they could look out for that they might overlook that happens during the production. It could be a look between two secondary characters as you watch as they fall in love within the chorus. That happens so much of the time. It could be just the way in which the setting and the lighting is done in this particular pivotal moment. What's something that might get overlooked that you really hope the, the discerning listener might might have a chance to see? How about the story of Hava and Vietka? Just that they found love and it had nothing to do with religion. It had to do, they they loved each other, not because of a religion, not because. They just, that's what people do. That's humans being human. And so they might overlook those two people falling in love during this story. It might get missed. Or not so much how it happened, but the fact that, that she's willing, he's willing to look beyond cultural 
that love is love. And uh, sometimes cultures try to separate people, but but love is love. <laughs> it, it endures and it abides. It, it does. It's, it's there. That's wonderful. For those who are listening and cannot see, Susan is very much touched by this. So I will turn over to Marion. Is there anything you'd like to share with the listener that they might they might see if they might see if they would otherwise miss? They might miss how Tevia has a relationship with God. He has a relationship with his faith. And it's very personified when you see his monologues and so on. And one of the things that I asked my actor to do was uh, to help people relate to that by looking up just a little. You know, every people think God's in heaven. Where's heaven? It's up. So, <laughs> Not upstage, but... Uh, yeah, as well as grabbing the spotlight a little better. Right. It's uh, look up because you're having a conversation here with God and God is very real to you. Mm-hmm. This is not a figment of your imagination like the fiddler is. Right. The fiddler is, is not a being. He's an uh, embodiment of Tevye's faith and his tradition. And that's really clear when he dances with him a few times and then at the very end of the show invites the fiddler to come with him. So he may be leaving his homeland, but he was unwilling to leave his tradition, That's a.k.a. Beautiful. the fiddler, yeah. behind. And good theater changes you. It Art does. is supposed to make you more than you were before, give you opportunity to think new thoughts and perceive things in new ways. How is the audience going to leave changed from having seen Painted Fish's production of Fiddler on the Roof? Well, I think it's a hard ending. I think that it will change people anyway. There's no Disney glorious music at the end. It's a fun story all the way through, but it's real. It's very real. And I hope they go away knowing that they can make a difference. I hope that's how they feel. One small little way at a time. I hope they take away that that's what we want them to take away. That we and want you can them still to make a difference that. even yeah. if it's hard. Even if it's hard. And that hard. maybe that is the component of making a difference yeah. is hard. Yeah. And this has definitely been something that's very hard. And that makes it valuable in its own way. I don't know if you've been able to put together the math on 38 people putting together um, 11 plus hours of rehearsals a week since forever, it seems. The, The board and the production team and the labor and the work and the love that they've done. We barely talked about the costumes that Renee has worked so hard on. We've hardly touched on the work of the orchestra and the musical director, let alone every other component and piece, the lights, the staging itself, and all the set that comes from putting together a production like this. And Painted Fish would be overjoyed to have you hasten down to the theater opening tonight running for only 10 shows running tonight till february 10th this is why theater exists this is what is important about it once it's left the theater on the 10th they will tear the set down put away the costumes and never come back to it and if you do not take the opportunity to come and see this you will have missed out on something special, something timely, and something important. Thanks for listening.